0: I'd like to pick up some of the themes or the undercurrents in the questions that we've been having, Mm -hmm. and so I was just noticing, you know, amongst the things that were being talked about or asked about, the sense of, you know, how much do you have to do? Yesterday was, was a question of how much of your stuff do you have to clear? You know, it seems there's a lot of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's the balancing of, of um, let's say, stilling, concentrating the mind, sitting still, practicing like that? What's the balance of that with, let's say, attending to duties? and living with other people, is that, how does that work? There's a lot of, um, you know, things that get stirred up in that. There's a lot of wipaka in these things. A lot of stored up programs, I mean, you understand? So a lot of us have particular um, habits around around work, you know, that feel very compelling and, ch- and so we think, you know, that it gets difficult because we get in immediately we start work and we get into a kind of grim dedicated push through and lose touch with our hearts in what we're doing Mm. or we get into got to get it done or make it work because most people work for a living you know and they got to get in the whole um induction to that is get the thing done as quick as you can otherwise you're going to get the sack <laughs> get the thing the faster, the quicker the better you do it that's what you've got to do work faster and quicker over time doesn't matter if you're a complete wreck at the end of the week <laughs> so that, that's in fact that's admirable <laughs> that's some of the, the induction can be of this nature so you've got to be quite Aware there are all kinds of programs in our attitudes towards work that that need to be changed and addressed. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with doing things. Yeah. And if maybe this is also a rich area of of investigation, to you know, there's a certain uh, validity in saying certain things need to be brought to light. You can't just you know get out of your karma by avoiding it, by avoiding where your buttons get pushed, you know, thinking you're free because you're not getting your buttons pushed but they're still there, they call these latent tendencies or dormant programs that, um, you know, can, can still be having an effect on a general, um, the breadth, scope, stillness, the capacity, how much one's awareness is really widened and developed to equanimity and steadiness, which is really one where looking at the progress of the path, if you look in terms of the enlightenment factors, you see you start off with mindfulness, placing attention on an object, uh, an investigation, sustaining persistence, starting to get some quality, good feeling, rapture, and then calming, getting soother and softer tranquility, and then collectedness arises, sense of samadhi, and then this um, pekha, equanimity. So you might say that's that's a, that's a progress in terms of how one is cultivating one's mind. First of all, just we say most the, the basic thing is to get mindful, to get mindful, to get your attention, to bear something in mind, so you can learn, you can study, you can investigate it. You might say these are a, a constant requirement. Um, so you should always really make an effort to keep your activities within those spheres. And it may be that, that itself is a struggle. Yeah. But uh, also we acknowledge that the path is a struggle. It's not all struggle, I hope, but that certainly in one's compulsive areas or one's ignorance, it's a struggle to pull out of it. Doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. It just means you've got to um, find, um, you know, gather strength and really commit and really investigate particular points in your in your Parker in your programs, in your conditioning. Mm. So this always makes the practice. We can see the various maps, you know, like you look at the Enlightenment factors, you look at the the um, the progress of insight which is detachment, dispassion, cessation, relinquishment you know, which is a, which we may talk about later um, you know which is more the sense of really becoming more and more um, released from any state of mind mm. so you're not really hanging on to any state of mind so you're you're moving in that direction but exactly that's the map and there are tools yeah. There are maps and there are, there are tools, if you like, or equipment, gear to, to, to go on the journey. Um, you know, mindfulness of breathing, precepts, um, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the four foundations of mindfulness, what are called the 37 Bodhi Pakya Dhammas. These are the pieces of equipment. And they can even be called the equipment for, for liberation and you've got a map but as you know when you've got you go in the wilderness you've got a map and you've got the gear still different people are going (laughs) to have to find their own pace for that they're going to go at a different rate some people are going to be able to walk six miles some people two miles some ten miles it depends Um, so that that's always the interesting bit and the bit that you've got to know for yourself and yet there are certain think guides one bears in mind that if this isn't happening then something is going astray Mm, certain things should be very much like markers on the trail that you you can keep bearing in mind Mm -hmm. because one's mind inclining towards a um, greater sense of, of of mindfulness is one's mind inclined towards a greater sense of feeling some deeper sense of ease are you beginning to discover on earth more things about yourself or less um, are you able to feel you can you know either maintain yourself or even actually take on a little bit challenge yourself a little bit mm-hmm if it's getting so you're getting less and less capacity (laughs) then you need to step back and redress what you're doing. So, you know, this is all in a way the topic of karma, how we act, how we attend, how we practice in accordance with the capacities. then as I was saying, how, how much of your old karma needs to be cleared, well, it's really, the bottom line of it is, all the vipaka that makes you feel, this is mine, this is me, this is mine. <laughs> so the Buddha said, for example, the, the body is old karma. The eye is old karma. The ear is old karma. The nose, the tongue, the sense faculties—that's old karma. That's an inheritance. You don't have to get rid of these, in order to, but you have to get rid of the sense of being attached to them, feeling mm. yeah. you are these. Um, and certainly, all the events of our life—we can't imagine we can just forget them all. But they don't actually—they don't actually stir us up one way or another, we've not got a lot of feeling of worry or guilt or resentment or nostalgia and fascination. We've been able to, you know, not, not get hooked on, on the event stream of our life. There also there are many uh, instances in the suttas where the Buddha, more or less, describes the 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 environment of practice. Mm. So again, the facile view can be like almost like a one one strand path where it's just you know. You just do this, do this technique, and you'll get there. Do the 60 day of this, and you'll get there guaranteed. Do the hundred thousand of these, and you'll get there guaranteed. Do the three month of this, and you'll get there. That's it. It's a one-fold thing, you know. And so, but it isn't the way the Buddha taught. It's always uh, a kind of a compounding really the idea of it, it covers it like the eightfold path, it covers thinking, speaking, acting, livelihood, and they're all considered vital areas to cultivate within. Mm-hmm. So as we practice, we as we look at a dharma first, we might say there has to be a, a commitment to it, which is perhaps you know, tentative at first, and then as we maybe get some results, we feel more interested, and then we feel more interested. And in of course, one one thing you can say is dependent on your own real enthusiasm for it, your chanda, what's called chanda motivation, mm. and that, you know. So you've got to keep that alive. You've got to make sure you're coming from some sense of motive motivation. Like when we get challenged, a sense of well, there's something I can learn out of this, this will do something for me, this is, I'm going to work with this, I'm going to, you know. So we always try to approach or, or recognize when we're being challenged, you start to identify a challenge that's coming up in your, in your life, in your practice. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Um, how do I work with this one? What's this going to teach me? Maybe it's going to teach me I just have to be very humble it's going to teach me that I just have to wait, you know. Like you, the you uh, uh, sister Mon was saying yesterday, you know, you can put the the water on the on the boil on the gas, turn the flame up. but that water is going to take its time to boil. There's nothing much you can do to it. <laughs> you just switch it on, and, and you want it to be hot and you want it to be boiling, but it ain't going to be there until its time's right. So there's that also. Sometimes we'd really just have to wait and let things take their own course other times there's, a, there's uh, something more we c- needs to be added yeah. um, but we first of all might consider that the important um, vehicles or, or containers or, or um, areas of practice are first we might say the precepts that you have uh, that you keep reviewing and studying these and you can take them to to depths you know even you might say the five precepts are a basic still you look at something like a principle of non-abuse and you look into your mind you think how many how many times you suck do you internally abuse other people <laughs> or psychologically abuse other people like oh well he's an idiot or a, she's a gossip, or he's a waste of time, or I, you know, or, do, or abuse oneself. So, you think, well, be good to really get into that one and stop doing that. Uh, um, um, I remember when I was staying with a guest of some Burmese people, and one of the Burmese women, she had a precept. She said, "I, I don't talk about other people." Uh, she, so she wasn't gonna. Gossip or pass on second hand, third hand stories. So that sense of that's interesting. So you look at things like careful speech, for example, how there's a lot you can do in that because we speak a lot and speaking is interesting and it's entertaining and you can enter other people's minds with your speech and you can have, you know, you can arouse or excite or win over or convince other people say wait a minute I don't want to manipulate with my speech uh, uh, I don't want to be manipulative and try and bias bias people with my speech I don't want to be speaking just dumping my stuff into other people's minds <laughs> I don't want to be, you know so we start to look at this you know the speech precept uh, and it, I think there's enormous um, depths in this you know precept and in what it entails because speaking relates directly to thinking and thinking relates to how we perceive how we perceive other people how we perceive ourselves so when you start to find yourself caricaturing someone else you think, yeah what's happening how do i perceive this person do i really see him that way oh i didn't notice that but I'm going to check that out, you know. We <laughs> carry around these ideas of, of people in our mind that are always really shorthand ideas. So the precepts act both as, a, as a, a boundary to prevent unskillful karma and also as a source of good karma, as how can my speech be something that's that's rewarding for others, that encourages others, that um, sees the good in others, that brings harmony where there wasn't harmony, that's worth listening to, you I know, <laughs> do that, <laughs> and how can it, re- so there's the good, the bad, the bad, and then how can I also investigate the roots and the bases of, of speech, of my verbal activity, then this is the karma that leads to the end of karma, because when we investigate it, actually, I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about a person's activities that affected me. That's really just an incident, that's an event, it's not a person. That person might be seen completely differently by somebody else, and probably differently by him or herself, so you start to penetrate this self-view. That, that we carry only these solid people in their minds. Um, and so that's, there, there's a source of, of ending karma, mm-hmm. both in, in many ways, yeah. both in terms of laying down the, the uh, negative things we may we have of others, or the idolizations, projections we may put on other people, and also starting to look into the very basis of self view and substantiality that that is a, is a necessity you know is the foundation for all karma we really think there's a me here and there's something there to be done by this here and as you start to as you more, more clearly into these these positions you realize that the objects that you move towards a really relative and the sense of the person who moves towards it is really just a relative thing and what you notice when you when you relax those is you notice the energy of desire or thirst or irritation or doubt or fear ah, now it's the bit in the middle that's important this means you're looking directly at the of the volitional quality. The precepts are very important. And of course, as I'm saying, this sense of being able to, to bear in mind and investigate the nature of what, what we carry. dhamma you know, Vijaya investigation. Then we also look for a, a supportive environment for cultivation. So we might say, you know, the Buddha said, well, the things like wrong livelihood is dealing in death-dealing weapons, drugs, you know, prostitution, alcohol, um, you know, deliberate professions that demand you lie, you know, things that really fall outside of the, of the precept boundary. And then within that, one should be someone who is not bur- carrying a whole load of duties, so unburdened by duties. It means we have duties, but we're not just a, a work, you know, a kind of some automaton, even in doing skillful things or good things. There's a sense there's enough, enough loose space, you might say, to be able to supervise one's actions. You've got enough left in your mind, enough room left in your mind to be able to supervise and be mindful and aware of of what you're doing, your actions so this is important and this is why you know we say monasteries but it's not monasteries per se but certainly you know some can be very very busy and you know one would feel that it's not absolutely necessary to have a monastery in order to, to be able to find that kind of um of softening of one's livelihood, you know, living in, in a more quiet life, certainly where you, you're just living more simply would again be you have got to look I think for for um, you know, non-monastics or people in what we call lay life, then it's really really big thing for livelihood is, to, is just to try to find this balance. So there is that l- enough time, a little bit of time, a little bit of energy left, so you're not just running yourself into the ground, even if you're nursing or helping others or doing skillful things, still you could have enough room there to be able to get around it. So your karma, your action, um, whether it's good or bad, I hope, well if it's, good i'm not condoning bad action at all but if it's, if it's guilt good it's still you want to have room for that fourth kind of karma which is the karma leading to the end of it karma which is the ability fundamentally the eightfold path mindfulness the enlightenment factors can actually get to work on what you're doing mm-hmm. this is in, this is really so that your context so you've got the precepts the context and then if you're like a teacher spiritual friends you can get some guidance on because we can't always see the back of our heads we can't always hear what we've just said and uh, someone who can give you some uh, reflections or you can your mind is producing certain thoughts and, and 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 ideas and you just can't see around it and somebody says oh well sounds like sounds like anxiety is the problem is oh yeah <laughs> when you get lost in the script you know, someone who can kind of stand back from the script and say well it sounds like you need to breathe in and breathe out a little more <laughs> it's not very simple really but you, you know, we get so entangled in our script that it's always so this is really helpful mm. yeah. so you try to set these things up again this is what monasteries are for you know they, they in way ca- carry all of these these are really these are the basis of what monasteries are about um, skillful livelihood, meditation, um, precepts, encouragement you know things of this nature so you've got a suitable matrix and one should make every effort I feel to, to, to support all of those, you know, support your precepts, support your environment, uh, support having a teacher, teacher you you know who who you who you support so that they're they're you know you've got one, you prepared to listen and talk with you, <laughs> and a monastery you can support a, a kind of something that carries all of these that you can help to support that because that's going to be for your welfare mm. as it said the Dhamma upholds those who uphold it it's pretty much what monasteries are about they support those who support it not because it's a deal but because the more that you connect to it and integrate with it then the more you, you're going to get out of it you know, because you will help to, to to train train you and um, give you something to 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 Focus on that's going to, you know, take you away from the, all the other bits and pieces that can be going on in life. That, you know, so much of it's not really bad; it's just distracting. You no, know, just sort of distracting. You know. TV, magazines, movies—it's you know, all, okay, but it's just stuff. Um, and so, so that's not going so. You want to? will help support the enlightenment factors. Mm. certainly um, in that kind of mandala in that sort of situation then time and time again they'll come up the the, the challenges the resistances you know, sense of I'm not getting what I want out of this it's not working fast enough it's too much of this it's not enough of that why do I have to be with these people I don't <laughs> so you get these kind of wellings up or of doubt or maybe it's better somewhere else you know another place another situation would be better um, and the, these wellings up really are, are often they become in themselves useful because they're, they're almost like the Sweating out or drawing up this a lot of the potential latent tendencies, the views, the irritability, the doubt, the uh, wanting, you know, the sense of wanting to become something and have something, and uh, so you really want to keep coming back to the whole basis or fundamental crux of the of the point is suffering, origin, cessation, path, you know, so you start to review, because, because these these energies come, these are what sankharas are, it's kind of wellings up of these me tendencies, the worrying about oneself, concern about oneself, so it's not, it's in, not that it's inappropriate to have some concern for yourself, but often the wellings up. Of the muttering, or the the ner- or the anxieties, or the doubts, that's not really um, that's not really coming from some place of careful supervision of you know witnessing and and looking after. So it's coming up from something more, much more instinctive. Hmm. Yeah. It's coming up from this subliminal layer, the what they call the upadi. The, subliminal layer of meanness you might say and as we all know you know meditation is not great for the ego <laughs> it's not, it's not a holiday for the ego it's generally pretty humbling <laughs> and monasteries are pretty much like that you know so we can expect well it's kind of the old, the very almost the the most fundamental tendencies which is the wanting to be me and make it my way and make it fit the way I am that kind of tendency is going to come up and it will always be very convincing because Sankaras are are totally convincing they feel like me, they speak like me, they sound like me, they walk like me they're the the slickest salesman in the universe (laughs) And they get quite righteous, and they rant, and they plead, and they produce elaborate elaborate documentation statistics of why and how it should be. So they're gifted. So we're gonna indeed spend, you know, whole afternoon or days or sometimes months even, because it's kind of incredible complexity is about one of the sort of makeup and psychological needs and this, that and the other. It's really dense. Where did all this come from? You because know, it's totally convincing and sometimes extremely intelligent. But you wonder, where did it all come from? Why? You know, something must have got pushed. Um. Mm. So this is and this is then not something to really it happens, I would imagine, for everybody in lesser and greater degrees. Um, this is something to—it's just something to, to acknowledge and be, be aware of. You know, very much the the great riddles, the great challenges of the path come up like this, and it's up to us to find a way of, of investigating these and by and large I myself find a lot of um, use the skillfulness in just feeling the the energies there's no point looking at the rationality Sankaras are generally pretty re- pretty rational pretty clued up the emotional base you know again it's got a lot of rightness in it and yet when I go to the energy of it this fear it's kind of pushy it's kind of contracted you know i feel small i feel contracted i don't feel good and uh and i realise that the feeling that is all the same kind of supported by this is that there's an energy there it it tightens it drives it spins it talks and it, it's, it talks in this, well, yesterday I was talking about the Papuncha. It really proliferates. It really spins out a whole argument. It really proliferates a past and a future, and, you know, what I should be and what I ought to be, and it, it just proliferates all this stuff. You, know, you can talk yourself in a, in a, in a, into thinking that the... Really, what you need to do with your life if you 're a monk is disrobe and become a coalman or a milkman and that be and you know you will believe it <laughs> <laughs> that actually the part to enlightenment is to become a, you know an ice cream salesman and you 'll believe it <laughs> because all this monastic stuff is just encumbrances, waste of time, rituals, Asian traditions pointless, not relevant to the West and you know, i 've heard it all. <laughs> <laughs> and you think. Well, why did the why did the Buddha set it up? Why didn't he say, "Well, the best thing to do is become an ice cream salesman"? Or he <laughs> seemed to okay. We're not looking at uh, particular lineages or or customs of a particular culture, but the main things we start we recognise the bastions of. Um, what it is to be a gone forth person is that one is living under precepts. Is that one is cultivating renunciation, it also also that one is in an environment that keeps checking the meanness Now, and this is really what we don't like. <laughs> I don't like to have my meaners checked. I want it. To, you know, I don't like that. That. So when I still really get a, a a uh, growing conviction over time through the example of others, through teachers and exemplars who can talk about their experience and their guide and the, the joy that comes when that push has di- is dying or died every time they get over it they come through that and they, you know I was really in that and then I dropped out is really spacious and free and I didn't have to you know disrobe to do it I just had to look at the Craving in my mind, or the becoming, or the, the me sense in my mind, and, and come to terms with that. Mm. And this is the karma ends the karma, and it's not like it all goes in one shot. But you you end bits of it, you end bits of the story, bits of the narrative, bit, bits of the conviction in it, bits of the way it grabs at you and runs with you. Mm. Um, so also when we look at the 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 map of the ten fetters, for example, the first cluster is to do with personality view and um, doubt and attachments to forms and systems. So you cling to forms and systems. So, you know, as we chip away, it's these are the things that tend to come up, particularly the personality view, the me, the screaming me, you know, the, the whining me, the muttering me. You know, that's the, that's the first one that comes up, really. So, who is that? I and mean, is this the kind of person you want to live with? <laughs> and you feel it. It feels like me, and yet it also feels kind of small, tight, driven doesn't feel like it's free or joyful or, or relaxed or ease. it feels tight and driven and so no I don't want to be this person I don't want to follow this person's advice um, and then the whole we start to translate that this instead of this is me it sounds like me it feels like me but actually it's suffering it's the first noble truth it's, it's suffering it's just suffering, it doesn't come up saying, hello I'm suffering it comes up saying, hello I'm me yeah. <laughs> you know? but when you actually go into the energies of this, it feels stress, it feels tight, it feels compelled, it feels driven this is Dukkha speaking with a mask on you don't identify with Dukkha with suffering you don't identify with that, you don't identify, you don't follow it you know? and then so these disagreeable experiences are by and large if we can have the faith and the trust and the encouragement of the from the environment and the situation we live in mm. you know, for a precept form that we did have confidence in. So why do we now wanna you know, if you're renunciant, why now do you want to Go out and find a partner because somehow you didn't seem to want that five years ago. So how come the the sh- thing has shifted? Thing has changed you now, and the rationale behind that. So you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an origin here, which is say there's craving, you know, and there's there's aversion, there's uh, frustration, and then there's a path. To ceasing that, letting go of that. Mm. Uh, we would come to this. Then, then, then there's. One isn't, you know, with the. The, um, the real bind of, of, of suffering is the ignorance, is not knowing for what it is, thinking it's me, seeing it as me, seeing it as other people, seeing it as a place, seeing it as a setup, seeing it as doing the washing up every day. No, it's not. We not washing up daily is a problem. Suffering is always a problem. Washing up is not a problem. Every day is not a problem. Really it isn't a problem. <laughs> it's just action sloshing around. It's, it's nicer. It's better than killing pigs, you know what. <laughs> so washing up every day is not a problem. You know, suffering is a problem. So let's get clear, you know, as you skim off this, this ignorance. Um, so, can I approach this task or this phenomenon or this activity that I've laboured suffering? Can I look at it as in another way? How one's perceptions, how one's meanness taints things as as not fair or not right or not what I want or somebody else should be or this, that, and the other? You know, where does it say that? Where's where's the rule book that says things are, should be one way or another? Things should be fair or. There's no fair. (laughs) So we kind of, you know, the only, um, so you've got to abandon some of these uh, ideological positions to come down to this, you know, if you really want to do this as straight and as effective as possible, it does mean challenging a lot of one's ideological positions and one's self-views, things we may have, you know, no, it's not everybody's doing exactly the same thing but it's not abusive it's not violent it's not uh, hurting anybody it's not damaging me it's all right Mm. and uh, you know washing up for 24 hours a day might be a bit much (laughs) you know that's but you see what i mean just using a trivial example how the mind can blow something up and then, then it grabs an ideological position to 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 uh, to uh, back that up. And this is ignorance doing it. You don't see the problem is suffering. And then, is, when we touch suffering, dukkha, stress, the why, the, the, why this this is uh, the Buddha said few. It was in doubt as to whether teach anybody. So I don't think, anybody really gonna get this. So it took a little bit of reflection and coaxing to get him to teach because he thought, you know, people are really don't really people are gonna get this actually. Why don't people see this? Because there's this ignorance and when we experience suffering, it's the last thing we want. And yet it's actually a thing that's necessary. It's like you've got to take the bandage off to heal the wound. Mm. So when we experience suffering, is a feeling of trapped, held, impotent, no. stuck in it, and then the mind proliferates, oh, you know, it shouldn't be this way, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't feel like this, it's always like this, and we're stuck in this way, it gets that stuck, frozen feeling, it's almost like the fright, uh, fight, flight, faint <laughs> neurons kick in, you know, we either start to fight and struggle with it, or we jump out of it and try to shift gear to see something else or we just kind of go numb and go, oh, I don't know <laughs> uh, yeah. so uh, and the, 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 that often that's that when you first get the, the taste of this it's sort of like that uh, can be like have that kind of quality to it so the way in which we really handle this is you know is to, is to be able to so sort of say um, kind of shift between the places where you feel steady confident come back go back to that it's almost like re re-establish your, your balance and come back to the imbalance re-establish your health come back to the wounded bit re-establish where you're not suffering come back to the to the wound to the suffering bit with the understanding that suffering is only a a fraction of what we experience and yet it's the thing that galvanizes and and draws us in and really feels difficult but, you know, when you experience that you've got to kind of most your thing is to just pause, not react and then maybe just start to acknowledge where you feel okay Mm-hmm. Sorry, maybe just the sense, oh, it's quite a nice day. Oh, yeah. And you come out of that particular piece of script and you're not forgetting it, it's, or you come into your body. I was saying to somebody earlier, you know, that since when your mind gets locked and you get this incredible web and. Uh, of proliferation. The mind is just really getting overwhelmed. What do you do then? You know, what's what's the thing that you do? And um, my simple recommendation is, is that is the first thing you do is, is something really simple. Something that doesn't require much any thinking at all, or hardly any thinking at all. So really, really simple. So it's easy to, to remember it. It's <laughs> sort a of complex piece of philosophy, like right? things are impermanent, you know. One year, right? So, what? You, and and I would suggest to find something which actually changes your energy. I mean, pulls you out of the topic. And this is what mindfulness so of the body can do. You know, you come out of the verbal, emotional. Um, Proliferation and web into just as a body standing here, body sitting here, body walking here, coming to the awareness of the body, the whole of it. This, you know, actually you, you should be able to do that really within seconds. Yeah. You may not stay there, but you come back again, come back into it, and your mind draws you in, and just come back again come back to standing come back to walking mm. and you get blown and you come back again and you come back again and you do that until you the the heat you know the pull of that um, suffering that, that stressful panic that the mind goes into proliferation you know you, you, you're not dragged into it So in, it can be a simple thing like in your daily life, just you know, being prepared to just sort of take your eyes off the thing that's winding you up. Feel the palms of your hands, soles of your feet, and hold your breath. Just control your breathing. Breathing was with of face, just deep. Breathe out deeply and hold it for five, ten seconds, and that. The breathing is a is a is a simple and perhaps a little bit crude but effective way of shifting your energy. You know, we always just say count ten. It's like that. I not ten. Right? No, 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 no. Just hold. You know, let the body count ten. Hold. Was a kind of stop. and that will certainly give you an immediate sense of shift it's not going to be the end of the story by any means but it will lift you away from the vortex Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this this little piece of of technology very simple switch to throw you throw the switch Suffering, and then, uh, and then maybe it's again useful just to use the breathing to steady the mind. just the uh, two minutes, three minutes, mm. walking, breathing. Just come to, back to a, where your energy is no longer so bunched up and tight and reactive, or or floundering. You're steady, and then you can start to. Pick up the topic a little bit of it. Like, where what really was in this for me? What was the real bit of it? You know, and right in the centre of that is just hurt. It's, you know, it's behind the rights and wrongs and always and shouldn't and they never did and so forth. Just under, right at the bottom of that is just hurt, and uh, then we see. Go to that place and just widen, soften your awareness. Widen and soften your awareness around that, and uh, the sense of it gives the, the emotional charge a place to just release itself. Uh, mostly, our reaction towards psychological, emotional pain is pretty much like our reaction to physical pain. You know, that is when you're physically hurt then you tend to tighten up to defend it. Or if somebody's attacking you, tighten up to defend yourself, which may be a useful thing for a body, but it's actually, it's slightly different for the mind. When it's already in you, you know, you can't tighten up to prevent it getting in, it's already in. What <laughs> you need to do is open up in order for it to drop out. <laughs> the tighter you get, the more you hold it in. Yeah. It's like if you've got a sort of you know, piece of gravel between your toes. You don't want to clench your toes to hold it tight. you want to open your toes up to let it drop out. Similarly when you have this psychologically emotional pang, you don't want to tighten up to constrict it. That'll actually hold it there. And the more you hold it there, the more it's like a kind of negative pearl. It acts like a piece of grit and all this stuff starts to form around it. The self views, the history, the life messages, the life statements, and it gets thicker and thicker. It causes that that nugget of suffering just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know? and so you know, if that's so, really, we want to be able to kind of just get bigger than our suffering. You know, get the mind to be wider and bigger than the suffering so that the suffering just drops out like, a, like when you open your hand up it just falls out of your hand and you don't you don't understand it until it's gone that's another little piece to know, you can't hold it in your hand hold it tightly, well it's because of this and that and the other that's why, I'm, that's why I'm suffering, your hand is still tight so you know, because of that, you know must be because I haven't understood the Four Noble Truths yet you're still holding it tight it must be because my practice isn't strong enough yet. it must be because I've got a lot of bad karma it must be because well you know so you're still holding it tight the point to do is just to get your hand open and drop it and then you see oh it was uh, then you, then the open hand can know the sense of maybe you'd never really have to name it sometimes you just don't Get an idea. You just get a sense of a little bit of me, a little bit of the meanness has kind of popped off, and you feel just a few, a few ounces lighter. You know, the me that needed, the me that wanted, the me that had to hang on has dropped a little bit. This is so. It's like that. You know, so that you get the sense of cessation of suffering is. Um, more than just not suffering, it's actually an, an increase in the, the width, the breadth, the capacity, the general joyfulness of the mind. This is why the Buddha said these these Four Noble Truths, they cause you pain, are really worth working with because the results are so are beautiful and are incomparable to anything else. Yeah, absolutely incomparable because they're changing the structures not just giving you a happy pill. Yeah, a lot of things can give you happy pills This is actually changing the nature of of that which, you know, if you like, changing the nature of the system that takes the pill, so the system doesn't actually need a pill anymore. (laughs) That's the point of it. This radical structural change of the sense of what we take ourselves to be. It is considered incomparable. Although there are many happy pills, and happy pills of an esoteric nature. Mm. You know, refined and but the, the the point is to you don't need a pill. So that comes through the full opening and releasing of the mind. Mm. And this is something to, to we need to um, have a sense of it's always just this actually whether you've been doing it for one year, fifty years. It's always just this, really. Mm. So, and as you start, as you get confidence in those Four Noble Truths, you, you look at all of the kind of issues and doubts of your mind, you can look at, does this thought in my mind, is that on the side of suffering, or a side of ce- ceasing it? You know? so when i think well how long is this going to take me how long do i have to keep doing that that voice is on the side of suffering <laughs> isn't it because it's saying hurry up i want to get you know i don't want uh, you know this sort of doubt or wanting or something. And then in a sitting you know, you know the moment before the bell rings you think oh this is going on forever it's going on forever it's going on forever and the bell rings and, oh, like three seconds ago that was the feeling was this is going on forever, this is going on forever, I can't stay in another minute, they're dying. Oh <laughs> <laughs> So you know, when, when the the suffering always feels like, Wow there's a lot here, it's really dense, you're not gonna get past this, this is big stuff. It's rather you know, so it could be that you've almost finished your business and you're still gonna feeling, Oh, there's a lot here, so stuff. You know, stuffing, I'm suffering a lot and so you, you can't you can't know how long it's going to take. All you can know is that the very if you start to look at things in that way, it's a natural enough way to look at things. But we're 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 starting to to follow the themes that cause the suffering, which is the me. What do I get out of this? How long is it going to take? How much do I have to do? And the point is, right now, what is the where, where right now do I, do I deal with, look at, review these, these phenomena in my mind, these mental patterns in my mind? And, uh, where do they cease?